Welcome to The Great Conversation, where ideas matter, ideas change markets, they shape markets, more importantly, ideas change the world. We're in the uh, security market today. Uh, you can reach other security conversations at sageconversations.com. And we have an old friend from The Great Conversations, been around for a number of years now, has presented many times to our community, Michael Gellis, Managing Director of Deloitte Consulting. How you doing, Michael? Hey, Ron, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, and thanks for asking. Michael, we're gonna have a great conversation today. If I can think of anybody, I'd like to have that, especially during these uncertain times. It's you, because the shape of the market is changing. It's, it's an evolution right now, it's dynamic. And I'm really curious, especially with your focus on insider threat, what is your brain teasing out now in these uncertain times regarding companies addressing the insider threat with these new conditions? Yeah, Ron, that's a great question. I mean, uh, we are clearly in uncertain unprecedented times, aren't we? The, uh, the pandemic has really given uh, organizations uh, an entirely new and unfamiliar set of risks to manage. Uh, organizations are trying to balance between protecting their workforce and keeping the business running and they don't want to lose sight of protecting against familiar risks as well, such as insider threat. What we're seeing specifically with the pandemic, it increases a, a risk of negligent or malicious insiders um, that continue to pose that, that critical risk to assets and data. Uh, and again, you know how I think about it in terms of people, material, facilities, and information. Um, and that's compounded by the, the immense economic uncertainty. Right? The loss of critical assets that are, are going to include research and development for companies, proprietary information, critical materials that can even hinder an organization's recovery. So given this new normal, there's a, a value in proactively refining. We're seeing refining a lot of current approaches to better protect critical assets. There are a number of things people have to do as, as there are these emerging threats. And, and, and as you always know, I always talk about all behavior occurs within a context. Well, clearly the context has changed. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because yes, in the many times I've spoken to you and, and also read many of the papers you've written, uh, now more than ever, we have disorientation. And disorientation leads, as you've said before, over the years, leads to suggestibility. Uh, so a lot of people who may be under stress economically a lot of people who are disoriented because they're in a different context of work uh, represent uh, the possibility of threat. And you have a different challenge now because that's spread from the home uh, to the business and back to the home again. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. You know, um, one of the things that, that probably is the core to success in managing through a pandemic that's a marathon is the notion of resiliency, right? And how do people remain resilient? Um, in you, you know, the, the unusual times here are provoking, as, you, as you're describing, a lot of unusual responses in people. Uh, and so far, organizations and workers have, have borne the challenge. But as this crisis continues to continue, continues into the months and what clearly can be, I mean, years to some extent, because we don't know, employees' resiliency are being tested. And, and what I mean by resiliency, and, and again, taking a little bit of a behavioral focus with you, that that prolonged stress of the isolation, the quarantine, even the working at home for many folks who really are people connected, 
uh, causes increases in anxiety, impulsivity, but more importantly, it impairs judgment and leads people to become pretty negative about potential, uh, potential future circumstances. You know, the human mind tends to catastrophize things. So while you're, you're, you're trying to manage, you know, as you're looking at perhaps safety and security around your job with furloughs, with separations, as it relates to uh, 401ks dropping, you know, people begin to def define a catastrophe that leads to a crisis, which then their behavior departs from the norm. And there you have that potential for increasing risks of insider events. Let me just add one other thing. Even in conventional times, Ron, and we've talked about this quite a bit at other, at other, at other conferences that you've hosted and invited me, even under conventional times, separations are often the highest risk as it relates to an organization losing assets and triggers that type of insider activity. So whether you're leaving voluntarily or involuntarily, employees are going to feel, you know, a sense of desperation. Do you also feel in the at-home area where managers who are used to touching their employees, seeing their employees in the hallway, do you see that as an additional risk that, in a sense, I can't see them. I can't see what they're doing. What are they up to? Is that, uh, is that a perceived risk? You know, I think, I, I think it's fair to say that for some, yes. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a little twist into what you said here. I mean, for, 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 clear, for clearly, there are many, clearly for many people, they would love to see and touch what their people are doing. However, I think what we have come to realize, and I've talked to many of my clients about this, and even experienced this in my own work at Deloitte, is that, you know, we become pretty successful, more successful than we thought in, in regards to being virtual. Now, let's go back to your question about the home. When I'm at work, nobody but at work has access to my equipment. When I come home, I'm in, a, in an environment where anyone can have access to my computer and to then to, my, to, to the work systems, as well as the fact that there is now more and more company equipment that has to go home with people, which provides other types of risks. At work, I generally can monitor a lot of what's printing. At home, I can print lots of things without people necessarily seeing them. So, so, the, so the environment has interesting challenges, maybe not what we fundamentally would think just because I can't see you and touch you. Uh, not to say that isn't there, but there are some other things that technology has left us with a little more increased, at least, things to think about. Very interesting. So uh, if we take these, and by no means have we exhausted the different uh, threat vectors here, but if we start going down that list of vectors you've talked about in the past, and we suddenly shift to uh, your set of questions, let's say, that you have for the, new, the leader dealing with insider threat in changing conditions, uh, are you prepared today to kind of give us an idea of some of the questions you're going to ask them right away that will help you determine how you can help them? Yeah, Ron, I, I, think, I think really uh, one of the key things that leaders have to be paying attention to, and we're talking about leaders of organizations, needless to say, um, our colleagues in security have to be thinking through this. And that has to be around an organizational risk tolerance. For me, this really became, became a very core piece of thinking, and it's led to many conversations with clients. So when I talk about, and I've talked about in the past, right, risk tolerance, we talk about risk appetite and, 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 and risk tolerance. You know, what is it that you're trying to protect? 
And then what are you willing to do and not willing to do as a result of, um, as a result of, of organizational risk tolerance? And I think what's happening is the pandemic is causing such a ground shift under the, under the feet of, of, of everyone that they're, they're making a variety of different compromises or having to make certain types of compromises as it results to risk tolerance. How is it that I begin to think through what I'm trying to protect and then what I'm, what I'm willing and not willing to do? So for example, is there a lessening of some sort as it relates to, uh, as it relates to technical controls? Um, are, they, are, are folks having to make certain types of changes in terms of accesses? Are people becoming more tolerant of the way they may move sensitive information that they otherwise didn't have to? And so, you know, I think in a rush to be operational, organizations may be inclined to downgrade a lot of sensitivities that mm -hmm. have been in the past. And mm -hmm. so one important question, where, and maybe the important question, where are you uh, as, it, as it relates to your organizational uh, risk tolerance, which speaks to your resiliency? Um, and like I said, that rush to be operational, industries have to be, have an increased sensitivity, right, around fraudulent activity. The pre-crisis pre risk tolerance decisions likely don't fit in the new normal. And so while people may be relaxing their, their risk tolerance, even for third-party vendors in order to bring vendors online quickly, what are you doing about that? We've always talked about third party as being a very significant risk. How am I managing my supply chain now? And how am I doing it differently with these different constraints? And, and lastly, how am I paying attention to my risk tolerance around cybersecurity controls? And how do I account for compromise that may ma manifest itself as an insider? These are just some of the things I've been thinking about. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, so I, I'm just gonna put it in quick layman's terms. So you're gonna go in and basically say, if you had a scorecard before, it has to be updated because this persistence, this new normal, this new reality is going to sustain itself for some time. You've got to update your scorecard. Where are you at on your vectors and, yeah. uh, and, and, and shifting uh, mitigation strategies as a result? Yeah, to that point, I would give you, I would give you three quick risk mitigation factors right off, right off the top. And I think you're, in our conversation here, you're hitting on them right away. Revisit and refresh the lists of critical assets and crown jewels given the new normal. So really go back and look at what your risk appetite is. Then clearly evaluate too. Evaluate your business processes based on the changes in the way work is being delivered. So for example, organizations may need to evaluate policies to ensure employees can transfer and download necessary files. Then they have to look at their technical controls associated with that. And then lastly, continuously reevaluate the current circumstances of work so that you can continue to inform your uh, risk decision-making. And it's a fluid situation as the pandemic response evolves. So we are seeing, right, that, that there is these, in certain businesses, these openings, there are people going through phases, they're bringing some people back, they're leaving some people out. And, and all of this is so fluid. And each time we go through one of these phases, Ron, we have to go back, revisit and refresh our business, our, our business, uh, our, our business approach to security. Mm. Uh, what about uh, your team? What about Deloitte? How do you see your business model shifting, given what you just told me about your clients? You know, I, I think that we're practicing a lot of what I'm talking about. In and while I'm, 
Deloitte as a whole has always been quite adept at being virtual to begin with. So we've always done, we've done good in that regard where we've moved around quite a bit. Professional consulting as a whole, not just Deloitte, you know, there's travel in, travel out, working remotely. Um, and we, and, and Deloitte and other professional services companies, I, I think, think through the different types of controls that they have to keep in place. Yeah, I get it. Um, give me an example of an engagement you've had during this period and some of the, um, interesting insights you had into that engagement <laughs> that, that may have been just, uh, just one of those things that uh, occur in a pandemic like this. <laughs> of course, you've gone through so many, right? Right, right. <laughs> I, think, I think there's probably a couple of different examples. The one thing that we are seeing is a move towards, uh, specifically within the security arena, uh, where people are becoming much more focused on really using more and more available data and being able to visualize that data. It's really metaphorical, wow. right? I can't, just to your point, I really can't see the people, but I want to be able to see more of their activity that I can see online. So more visualization of, of different movements and different activities, similar to what we've done with monitoring, but, it, but, it, but in a way where we are going to the next level and doing and visualizing different trends. Um, <clears throat> we are seeing a significant amount of activity around separations and furloughs. So I would say that there is a significant uptick in the amount of information that people are trying to transfer off the company system mm. to preserve and protect for their own personal needs and their own personal agendas. So that, that's something. Of course, we're also seeing a lot of furloughs and a lot of separations. So many clients we're talking to are we're specifically looking at the increased number of separations and the increased number of anticipated separations based on how the economy is moving and the status of the company so that there's more and more uh, information going out the door. Um, other, other examples, uh, we are seeing uh, on the cyber side more investment and, and more of assessments around technical controls. So that's always I can put and, and I can put certain policies in place and I can revisit and refresh those policies and that defines the expectations of what people should and shouldn't be doing in this new normal. But then what is it that I can impede that can protect certain assets in this environment where before people may have been able to go online and use their computers more freely as it relates to using it for personal use. In some instances, we're seeing that being shut down because it opens up too many potential risks. So the, the good news coming out of this is we've been saying forever that a lot of times these problems can be more easily mitigated if we had the right data. Uh, getting to that data has always been in silos, and uh, right. and yet what what this is doing is it's cooking up a <laughs> it's cooking up a couple things. One, I only have the data. I need the data. I need the data to make these live decisions. So what what's kind of curious to me, and again I asked you how your business model might be shifting here, but uh, is it possible to? Um, uh, is, does Deloitte have, say, a managed service where you can see this data coming at you and be able to advise real-time your clients? Do you have anything like that? Not, not, in, not in the type of work that, I, that I'm doing. Uh, I see. But I, I, but, but I, I but my, think my point is, is that more specifically, 
what we're seeing is to your point, a craving for more right. data analytics. And, and, you know, while I think managed service is, is always an interesting, you know, concept business-wise, many of my clients don't want to give anyone else their data. Of course. Us to come in, help configure from the simplest Tableau solutions to graph databases where we, they can have on-prem or on their own systems uh, data analytics solutions that helps them visualize and identify different trends and different types of behaviors. And specifically, we're seeing this in the security space. Mm -hmm. and there's, there's lots of ways of looking at very specific behaviors that we've done in the past, apply an algorithm around risk scoring that then enables you to see from everything from prioritization to being able to see specific trends. So with the new normal, people are having to rethink about how they uh, identify certain behaviors and activities and what level of risk, back to what we had talked about earlier, right? I'm changing and shifting and revisiting my organizational risk tolerance. So then certain things I'm gonna have to have a greater tolerance for, other things less so. So mm -hmm. that's what we're seeing is less, less about the managed service, more about what type of solution can I build? And, and I'm talking about things that are not tremendously expensive, you know, in Tableau, you know, in, in, in some of these other platforms, you can either do it in Excel simply. I mean, just, but the, the point is that fundamentally people had not been comfortable sort of bringing all this disparate data together and now they are. And, and to your point about silos, we are seeing a lot more communication, you know, for example, with security folks in HR, even though we've always talked about that for years at the great conversation, that that's the key bridge, HR to security, even more so now because of the different personnel actions and the associated risks. Uh, because you have seen, one data point you have seen is more data coming off the corporate archives, if you will, due to these furloughs and layoffs. Uh, I won't ask you how you're getting that data, but uh, more data along those lines, obviously. Um, but we, we've talked about in the past, uh, also under pressure, especially emotional pressure and feeling of angst, uh, do we see any uh, workplace violence upticks uh, due to the last two or three months? So that, 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 that's a great question because that always has to be included in any type of insider threat. Um, I have not seen that, but that's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean anything. And I, and I don't know the exact, the, specifically the data on it. Now, of course, you know, many institutions, many organizations have been closed and people are working virtually. So you, you, you don't have, you know, as much come to work kind of contact where people are in groups. I mean, that's, that's an interesting dynamic about the pandemic. We keep people more distant. Um, that's not to say that there couldn't be an uptick in sabotage. There couldn't be an uptick in, in other related incidents, but, but nothing that, that I'm, I'm seeing more movement of data. And, and maybe that's because of the conversations I'm having with my clients <clears throat> and, and more sensitivity, by the way, around potential fraudulent activity. Uh, -huh. of course, of course. Um, uh, Mike, uh, we're, we're going to be um, sending this out to our, our membership community yeah. of um, executives. Uh, it also will be sent out to the ecosystem. So uh, the consultants out there uh, in various forms of risk and specifications and uh, architects, contractors, as well as uh, system integrators and technology vendors. Um, as you speak to them, uh, do you have a challenge for them uh, in going forward based on this new reality? Any member of that ecosystem or all of them? You know, I would say all of them only because I think this requires a multidisciplinary approach. Mm -hmm. you know, 
we're, we're as that phrase that's so widely used, we're in this together. Uh, we're in this together to keep ourselves uh, healthy. We're in this together to keep ourselves safe. And from a business perspective, we're in this together to keep ourselves, you know, and to protect our assets. Uh, I appreciate you sending out the paper and I hope it's helpful to people in that it'll have a number of very uh, more, more defined risks and mitigation strategies that really uh, are very holistic, which is not a surprise for you to hear me say that, but it really speaks to you know, folks who also are in HR, people in physical security, people in information security. Really what we're trying to do is, and, and if I say to anyone, understand that, as I said earlier, if all behavior does occur in a context, and we've understood that around the insider threat for, for hundreds of years, Think about this context and, and the current pandemic and how it's impacting the business and how you might want to begin to sit back, refresh, revisit, and just think through the nuances of your business and the business that you're consulting and working with so that you can think through where are those vulnerabilities that I was aware of before, how have they changed? And go through that exercise. I hope the paper will help you take, through, take you through that. My clients have found it helpful. They say that it's sort of validated some of the things that they're doing. Of course, I mean, this is not, you know, something that's just created. This is what we're all, we've all been doing. It's just a matter of how do we refashion it and refit it for what the current circumstances are leaving with in terms of a challenge. We'll be putting that on the Sage Conversations uh, website, uh, Easy Access. We appreciate, Michael, that you allow us to put that on there. That's fantastic. Um, a couple of things as we uh, in this uh, great conversation um, that I, I ask everyone on the call, believe it or not. Uh, the first one is, is besides the paper we're going to be publishing, are there any other reference materials, books, podcasts you believe are relevant in this particular time uh, or you know they should be using as a primer on insider threat? What, what, what are you reading these days? Any, anything and all of the above? Yeah, so so I'll tell you, there are two things that I'm that I've been probably they're probably one and the same uh, together. But I've been really focused in doing a lot of reading on leadership and resiliency. Uh, I've been very focused on the notion of resiliency, and, and you may ask, well, what do I mean by that? I mean, how do we think through using you know helping our our workforce think through around using inner strengths, the ability to rebound, learning from past experiences to sustain that level of emotional control, not feeling overwhelmed, countering just what we had talked about earlier, Ron, as it relates to not going down that path where the impulsivity, the anxiety, the catastrophization, the feeling that you're catastrophizing things to the point that you're making an impaired judgment around uh, your organization's assets and compromising your own employment. So if I think through that from a preventive factor, how how is it that I can enhance resiliency? And then as a leader, how am I leading my teams to ensure that my teams are resilient? You know, am I listening? Am I empathic? Am I empowering them? Um, am, I, am, I, am I keeping the middle ground, staying away from worst case scenarios, you know, staying away from the best case scenarios, really staying very balanced? And, and that's what I think is most important. If we think about resiliency and leadership, it's being able to keep that balance around what clearly are people's normal reactions to abnormal circumstances today. Well, as you know, that was one of the more 
interesting discussions we had at the last great conversation, personal resiliency, and, uh, mm-hmm. and we have some resources on the website already. If you come up with any more that you can add, Michael, you know, uh, ping me a line and we'll get that on the website. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a couple of things that, that, I, that I do like, but there's plenty of really good stuff out on resiliency and leadership. Uh, and finally, um, who, we, who should we invite to the table next for a great conversation? You mentioned uh, human resource professionals, and I've been trying to hunt down some of my past relationships in HR. Uh, but boy, do you have anyone uh, you want to throw out a name and let's see if we can get them into the conversation? Hmm. Um, let, me, let me check before I throw names out. <laughs> oh, you're such a chicken. I'm a little, ca- I'm always cautious. You know that I have to, I have to be a little, but yeah, let me or, think or, about or it. Any, or anyone else for that matter, uh, from the vendor community, from the uh, end user community, anyone that can, comes to mind. Um, well, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, there's some, there's some folks who have really been uh, managing some really, really big challenges like the airlines so I don't know if you've thought about having a conversation with Tom Malik, and I know that he's over at Delta working with Randy, and they're and they're and they know they've been going through some pretty significant. Uh, right, Randy Harrison. Yeah. Um, so that that comes to mind because uh, I I yep. know what's going on with that industry, and then again, remember that that industry in particular has has a one of the more challenging insider threat. Uh, scenarios in that, you know, they have lots of different employees, you know, there's a big issue around terrorism, there's, a, you know, in a compromised system. So there's all sorts of things that they're trying to manage. Um, and I know Tom has a, you know, he, you know, he and I were at NCIS together, and we worked together for many years. He, uh, he, he has a really good perspective on, on a holistic security perspective. I, I do think, and I'll find someone, I do think it would be great to have a conversation with an HR professional right now. I do too. I do too. And if we want to do it three ways too, we can do that. So you check into it and get back to me. This has been a, a great conversation with Michael uh, Gellis and uh, both of us in t-shirts and you'll never see it because you're listening. to it. <laughs> Thanks again, Michael. All right. Thank you, Ron. Always good. <laughs>